Welcome, everyone. We got episode 13 today. You guys will be listening to this on August 19th, I believe. Just the two of us, as usual, James, and I'm with Chris. How we doing? How we doing? So, episode 13, we'll call this the Nico Hishier episode. Um, uh-huh. Not really any other 13s out there. You got Mike Camilleri, and then I think there was a few old-timer 13s, but with the uh, Lou Lamorello rule, he wouldn't let any Devils wear 13 while he was at the helm, so there's not a lot of options there. But um, Nico Hishier is a great choice for that jersey number, so uh, yeah, we'll do the uh, Nico Hishier episode today. So this episode, just we're going to be checking in with all the series. We're about halfway through. Like I said, we're recording this on August 18th. So the Dallas Stars game just ended, and I believe the Washington Islanders, that's game four now, just begun. Yeah, so I was just a little. Start. Yep, just a little perspective on when we're recording this so you guys know where we're at. Chris, I'll let you talk real quick on uh, something that unfortunately happened today, and then we'll move on to our uh, series, see how they're doing. Yeah, so a little bit of uh, breaking news in the NHL community. Unfortunately, as James said, it's a little bit sad. Um, Dale Howardchuck has passed away. Um, for those of you who don't know, he's kind of considered to be a NHL legend. Uh, spent most of his time with the Winnipeg Jets, and that's the franchise he's most associated with. But he also spent some time with Buffalo, a little bit in St. Louis and Philadelphia. Um, ended up with 1,409 points in his career, 518 goals, 891 assists. He was a centerman. Um, today, actually, I think it was this morning, the news came out. So uh, a little bit of a sad day for NHL fans. Yep, definitely for the hockey world. Uh, prayers out to his family. We'll move on now. We'll get into the series. We'll start out in the East, move out West. First series we're going to talk about in the East is Philadelphia versus Montreal. The Flyers actually took the 3 1 series lead today. They defeated the Montreal Canadiens 2 0 in game four. Carter Hart's second consecutive shutout, correct? Um, I know it's his second yeah. shutout. I can't remember if it's consecutive. Yeah, I believe it's consecutive. Game three also shut them out. The score of that one was one nothing. <laughs> exciting game. Yeah, so going on that exciting game type of this, – this series has been – I don't know. It's just kind of been there for me. I, it hasn't really done much. I don't feel like it's been the most exciting series. Montreal dominated game two. That was that 5 nothing whooping. Yeah, I enjoyed watching um, the Flyers get pumped that game. <laughs> yeah, and when you look at the series as a whole, I, I really didn't realize this. I haven't watched much of this series just because I'm not a big Flyers guy and just it's been interfering with stuff that I've been I've been busy lately. But believe it or not, if I just looking at the numbers, like I said, didn't really haven't really gotten a chance to watch much of this series. But an analytical standpoint, Montreal's doing what they did during the regular season and that's outplaying their opponent. Their course four percentage is fifty seven. Their expected goals is fifty eight. Uh, percent and like i just said they did this during the regular season but they didn't get the results they're doing it now not getting the results and it's a lot has to do with carter hart i mean he's been unreal his five on five save percentage is nine six five and of course he has those two consecutive shutouts the big thing too has been the flyers power play has been really good mm-hmm that's always a key in all these series. My only hope here seeing all these numbers is maybe the Flyers are finally showing a vulnerability being 
outplayed in terms of five on five shot generation and attempts. But we shall see. We both pick the Flyers in this series. I think they're going to move on here. Maybe Montreal snag another game. I don't know. We yeah. will see. Chris, anything else you want to say uh, about the series? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a surprise to see where we're at. Um, I think game two was definitely a surprise seeing Montreal, you know, score five, nothing. Um, but we knew that Montreal was going to lean on Price. They were going to play a game that revolved around capitalizing on chances uh, when they could. Um, obviously, it's a little bit harder to do that once you're behind. And uh, we've witnessed that as well. Once they get a goal past Price, um, the Canadians are forced to come out of that defensive shell a little bit more, and it kind of opens it up for the Flyers a little bit more. So I don't think either of us are surprised with where the series at right now. So. No. No, we're not. Um, Carey Price hasn't been bad by any means. He's been really, really good. His save percentage at five on five is just a little less than Carter Hart's. And like I said, Carter Hart's is at nine, six, five, which is incredible. It's come down to the power play. I think really um, special teams in this series, but I don't know. We'll see. Flyers will most likely move on the next round. We'll see. That'll be more of a test for them. I'm definitely eager to see them play a better team. Yeah. So, um, we'll move on now. Tampa Bay versus Columbus. Tampa Bay leads the series 3-1. And we haven't had an episode since that insane game one that went to five overtimes. I'm sure you guys are well aware of what happened in this game. Five well, overtimes. Shots. Yeah, right. Shots on goals were 88-63 to 63 in favor of Tampa Bay. Corpusal set an NHL record with 85 saves. Seth Jones set an NHL record with 65 minutes of time on ice. Braden Point finally ended it. It was a little halfway, almost halfway through the fifth overtime period. It was such a fluky shot, too. Like, off his back foot, just throwing it at the net, not really aiming. <laughs> and that's how yeah, it I mean, went Tampa, in. I was like, a Tampa force. deserved that game. I the, yeah. the Just the numbers from that game is unlike I've ever seen. It was thorough domination by Tampa Bay. Yeah. That way, Jonas Corpusal kept uh, Columbus in that game, set all kinds of records. Unfortunately, he took the L. I can't even imagine how Columbus felt after that game. I mean, at Tampa Bay, I'm sure is all happy. They were <laughs> ecstatic winning a five-overtime game. I'm sure they still felt like garbage after that game, skating yeah. around for that long, feeling like garbage plus getting the L. Yeah, that couldn't have been too fun for Columbus. Yeah, I mean, we definitely discussed that it was more important for – Tampa to win that game just psychologically you know Columbus it would be easier for them to come bounce back from that as like an underdog you know they already have that mentality whereas Tampa would have been a little bit more difficult I believe so yeah so game two rolled around and the Columbus Blue Jackets stole that one and looking at the numbers at that they were thoroughly outplayed but they got the dub in that one 3-1 I'm not sure if it was a true 2-0 victory or if there's an empty netter in there but either way they stole game two game three all tampa game four tampa also won but it was for me the closest game out of all four when you look at the numbers i watched that one on tv it was actually a pretty close game either way tampa bay shown they're a lot better of a team we're not going to have any funky business go on like last year this series for me is all but over gonna have tampa moving on to the next round when it's all said and done in my opinion what game three showed in that series was that every team should be afraid of Tampa now because Tampa has just learned to win without skill. Like their fourth line, Coleman, Yanni Gord, and Barkley Goudreau literally carried to that victory. They, they outplayed the Jackets at their own game. That's literally yeah. what they did. And it's not the style that you think of with the uh, 
with the lightning and everything. So if they can beat you one way with skill, or now that they've kind of discovered they can play this game physically, you know, grind you down, stuff like that, I mean, they're even more dangerous than they were before. Yeah, make no mistake about it. They've been winning games like that too, but they still got a ton of firepower at the top of their roster. If Stamkos comes back, that's a that's just more firepower. Yeah, 100%. Victor Hedman has been unbelievable, and he was a question mark entering the series. I'm sure he's playing through some crazy hockey, in, hockey injury, but he's he's amazing. Yeah. Been playing amazing. Andre Vazileski has been absolutely terrific, which is a great sign for Tampa Bay moving yep. forward. They're a real cup contender, and I'm happy I chose them to go to the cup for my East representative. Next game in this series will be August 19th at noon. Forgot to mention this, the next game is in the Flyers Montreal series is also August 19th, but that's at 8 p.m. start. Moving on now, Boston versus Carolina. Uh, Mano, oh, so Boston leads the series 3-0-1, 3-2-1. Mano, man, am I disappointed in Carolina? Um, yeah. I, I knew, like, even on the pod, I the last episode, I knew Boston was still legit and I wasn't worried about them one bit. It was just me picking Carolina because I truly thought they were the better team. Yeah. And then what we haven't spoke about yet, Tuka Rask opts out right before game three, right? Yeah. So that happened right before game three. Sure, you heard that as well. Tuka Rask came out, opted out, left the bubble. Um, Yaroslav Halak's net now, which, I mean – Tuka Rask's great and all, but Yaro Halak's showed again and again he's a very solid goalie in his own right. So it's a big loss there for Boston, but they got a great backup, so that shouldn't hurt them too much. But that's just a whole nother thing um, with people's reactions after that. You got Mike Milbury and another guy, I forget who it was, basically saying that Rask, that was a bad move by Raft. He's letting his team down all that. And you also have the other people that are more understanding. Chris, go ahead. Give your opinion on it. I mean, I, I understand like the hockey sense and how it kind of appears like he may have left the team or something. Um, but to be honest, that's, that's not the case. I mean, we all know the reality of the world we're currently living in right now. Um, he left for personal family related reasons. And, uh, from as far as I can tell, Boston is totally cool with it. They've been very supportive, including his 100%. teammates. Yep. So it's not like he's stabbing them in the back or anything. And I know it, it, people are making a big deal out of his comments. I think after game two, he was talking about how it really doesn't feel like a playoff atmosphere. Yeah, which he's got a great point. I'll talk yeah. about that in a second when you're done uh, finishing it, I think up it's, here. I think it's the, the comments and then him opting out right after that gives it a bad optic. But me personally, I mean, Tuka's got to do what he's got to do, you know? Uh, take care mm-hmm. of your family. I mean, I'm never going to judge a player for that, even, you know, outside of a pandemic, you know? We've seen players do that before where they miss a game or two because they got to be with family or something like that. We saw it earlier in the year with some players. So um, I will say in terms of the series, you know, maybe a little bit of an eye for eye when you think Rask is gone and then you find out uh, Sveshnikov is basically done. Yeah, that's another thing we'll talk about. Brendan Moore kind of said it without saying it. He was like, yeah, he's probably not going to be back the rest of the playoffs. And I was like, okay, so it's probably like a major ligament injury in his knee or something just based off of what I saw on the TV. But yeah, there's a lot going on in this series. Now I'll give my input real quick on the Tuka Rask leaving. 
I could see the people that are saying, oh, man, he quit on his team or whatever. I mean, it's not ideal for him to just get up and leave after game two, but I am not throwing him any hate. Like you said perfectly, this is a unique circumstances we're in. Family always comes first. Good to see Tuca doing what he wants to do. Boston being very supportive there. I'm totally okay with that move. There's very, very few circumstances where something like that would get me a little angry. And the only one I've seen so far happened in the MLB with Marcus Stroman opting out of the Mets. That's just a whole other story. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's that's just a whole other story. Um, We won't get into that, but that's just an ugly one. But I have no, no beef with Rask opting out and these people that are making a real big deal over it. Just got to get over themselves. Got to do what you got to do. Family comes first as always. Before we talk more about the series, we'll get into the Andrei Shushnikov thing. He was battling in front with Zaydana Chara. Was this game two or three? I think it was uh, I think it was game three. Okay. Because so Carolina was down 2-1 and he wasn't available for the next game. Like yesterday's mm-hmm. game. So he was battling in front of the net with big old Dan Chara. They got their legs tangled up. A lot of people thought it was dirty. I didn't see anything too dirty, crazy in front of there. I know we always got those battles in front of the net. Mm. Chara's a big dude. I think their feet just got tangled. Yeah. Do you have? Do you think it was an intentional dirty play, Chris? I I watched it. I mean, credit to Sveshnikov. He's he's not afraid to challenge anyone. We saw it last year with Ovi, even though he got lost. Yeah. You know, he lost that one. But again, mm-hmm. he's battling with Big Z in front. He's not afraid to to take anyone on, and I give him a bunch of credit for that. Um, from what I saw in the clip, I think it was just you know a freak kind of thing. He, you know, yeah. maybe his knee or leg hit Chara, you know, in the right spot or something. Um, I mean, in general, when you, when you have those battles in front of the net and you look at them on instant replay, you're going to see stuff that doesn't get called. You're going to see cross checks. You're going to see like, you know, hooks and jabs and all sorts of stuff. The refs typically will let that go in front of the net. Cause you know, it's like, okay, fair game. You know, as long as it's not egregious, we're not going to call it. So, but I didn't really see anything, uh, horrible, at all in, in terms of like a net battle in general, regardless of a injury or not. So, yeah, it's a freak thing. Very unfortunate. Just because a great young talent, um, both me and you have the same opinion that we don't think it was anything intentional, just Char's big body, but a big battle for or not. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it happens, but how about that Nimrod, Jack Edwards? He just shows again and again why he should not have a job. I mean, I don't know how he has a job still yeah. with Boston. He's just terrible at everything. Announcing his takes. I mean, it just it, miserable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, if I don't, don't mind Bruins fans, but I, I can't really watch a Bruins game when they're calling you it. Can't. So you and it's cannot just, watch it's just some of the takes that happen when they're playing. It's just like, what? No, yeah, <laughs> I just don't awful. agree with some of their takes. <laughs> Even a lot of Boston fans, Fans, uh, Bruins fans don't like him. Um, a lot of people ripping him. If you didn't see it, he, basically his comments, he said that Sesmachov kind of had it coming to him. He shouldn't have been mangling up with a guy that big in front of the net, which is just a ridiculous thing to say. He also yeah, had a, a like very Marshawn on your team. Yeah, he he also had a very suspect comment back when Pacioretty got put into the uh, stanchion. 
by Chara a while ago. I don't know if you guys remember that, but Edward said something a little suspect on broadcast there as well. He just has a track record. He's no good. But we'll move on now. Talk about the actual series here. Like I said, I'm very, very disappointed in Carolina. Um, they have not been good this series. Boston's pretty much commanded the whole series. Their expected goals, Boston is um, the the share they hold, 59.26 to Carolina's 40.74. The save percentage at five on five is actually pretty even, which yeah. is something worth mentioning. It's not like Carolina's getting terrible goaltending. It's just Carolina shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, the last game, which was game four, yes, yeah. we're game they're four now. now they yeah. Canes were up 3-0 in the third period. The last 12 minutes, Boston came back and scored, was it, five unanswered before Canes got that uh, late goal? Yeah. Yeah, I think they Um, scored four unanswered, made it 4-2, and then the Canes were able to pop one in with the empty net, make it 4-3, but couldn't do it again. Oh, was it a 2-0 lead? I thought it was a 3-0 lead. I think it was 2-0. If Rusk had that goal, which, of course, they were comparing to Bobby Orr and I was just like, okay, that's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> they also, uh, Carolina and Columbus also, or Carolina and Columbus, Carolina and Boston also had a pretty lengthy overtime game in their own right. Yeah. Um, what was that game one? It might have been. I, I, I know that they definitely played one, but I, I can't remember yeah. which one it was. Double overtime game one. You are right. It was a, one, so. Yeah, it was a 2 nothing lead. They scored. Boston ripped off three in a row. Either way, blowing multiple goals. Leads, not ideal. Overall, very, very disappointed. I was a big Hurricanes fan. I ran my mouth a lot on how confident I was in them. But I also said Boston's no slouch, even though the round robin series didn't look all that good. We got a Boston 3-1 lead. Next game is also August 19th at 4 p.m. Chris, any last thoughts here on this series? Canes Canes need to win three more. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that, that they do. They would need to win three more games for them to win the series. There's your uh, there's your analysis from Chris there on what Carolina needs to do here to come back to win the series. I want a perfect first round in my East bracket. Carolina's the only one who's messing me up right now. <laughs> we'll move on now. We'll move on to the last series in the East, and that's the Washington Islanders. Chris, go ahead. You could start this one off. I'll add. So I will add, uh, not looking too good for the Caps right now. They're down 2 nothing <laughs> in the first, the Islanders. So, uh, no way, they yeah, they are. Yep. Islanders Jeez, already put two on the board. Fire. Yeah, I mean, it, Backstrom's out. Nearly Kolachuk's playing, though. <laughs> good old Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't like this series for Washington from the very beginning when they finished their last round robin game and they basically ended up with the Islanders. I thought uh, the Islanders were probably the team they would match up the worst against, not just because of, uh, you know, the way the Islanders play the game and their defensive structure, but just no coach is going to know that team better than Barry Trotz, the one who won them the Stanley cup. Um, And I mean, they're up two nothing right now in game four, getting the, trying to get the brooms out. Yeah, I mean, hope he was hope he was good for a little bit. He wasn't atrocious, but I wouldn't say he was a uh, phenomenal either. So he was not. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say, really. <laughs> yeah, stupid me. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when I made the pick, I ultimately leaned toward Washington. But I even said, and like making the pick, I thought Washington's offense would have figured it out. They did not, and Braden Holpe. What has not been good his 892 save percentage and that's at even strength too so that's really really bad yeah. um this 
the Islanders usually don't control possession and generation of shots, but they are in the series by a pretty wide margin. The expected goals is 65-5-4, and that's to um, Washington 34-4-6. So that's really in favor of the Islanders there. Like I said, Holpe's been garbage. He might be done, though. I mean, I know he's not old yet. He's only, what, 30, I think? 29? Yeah, I mean, he's going into UFA. Someone's going to pay. Yeah, and someone's going to pay a stupid amount of money for a not good goalie anymore. I don't know what happened to him. He's been struggling this year. Um, but he's done so. Caps are done so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to. You got yeah. Samsonov there. He's, he, a, he's a beast. He's going to be a great starter for years to come. These Russian yeah. goalies are come in here taking the league by storm. I think Washington will make an offer. I don't think it's going to be like break the bank. I don't think it'll be the highest offer. And I don't think it'll be long term either. I think it's more to just do with Samsonov. Just make sure like he will actually be the goalie that, you know, they were envisioning before the accident. So that's that's my take on the UFA situation for Holby with Washington. Well, so. the Capitals GM has to be real careful here. They can't throw too much money at Holby because no. it's Samson, Samsonov's the number one guy and he should be moving forward. Yeah. And Holby's going to get not get paid like a backup goaltender. So I no. I think it's in their best interest to let him walk. Would you give him like, like, a, like a Bennington contract, like a decent amount for like a year or two tops? No, I wouldn't. I, Samsonov's ready. Um, I think Sam Small is yeah. really ready. I think he's going to be a borderline elite goalie in this league. I think they got to cut ties with Holpe. Um, yeah. They got money problems elsewhere. They got Carlson making a lot of money, which is totally fine. Ovi's making a lot of money, which is totally fine. It's just they need this money better well spent yeah. other elsewhere. We've talked about this multiple times. There's going to be several great backups on the market. Go that route. Get a yeah. solid veteran backup for Sam Snob. No reason to sign It Holpe. just all depends on Sam Snob's recovery. That's basically what it comes down to. So. Yeah, yeah, we don't really know much about that. That's a big question mark there. But if everything checks out there, like I said, Colby yeah. should not be in a Capitals uniform come next year. Alrighty, we'll move out west now. We got the first two series we don't talk about. Oh my goodness! But after that, it gets a little bit better. We'll start with this Vegas Chicago series. Vegas is up three one. The broom should have been brought out. The game four, insane domination by Vegas. It's like that game. It's probably the game most I've seen where the better team did not win. Like Vegas was absolutely beating the garbage out of Chicago, but was not yeah. able to win that game. And they're going to a game five now. The numbers in this series are crazy. The underlying numbers, uh, Vegas holds a 60.91 Corsi Ford percentage and a 65.92 expected goals percentage. They violently outshoot. Chicago on a nightly basis. Each game is thorough domination. Like I said, even game four. I am loving my Stanley Cup pick here, Chris. But go ahead. I mean, there's there's not a team that's as deep as them, except for maybe Colorado and Tampa. Yep. Like those yeah. are probably the three teams that are the most deep in the playoffs right now. Um, I did pick Vegas at six, so I'm hoping Chicago can sneak one more before Vegas takes it. <laughs> uh, Gonna have to hope Crawford can help out there, even though I'm not a big believer in Crawford at all. I never really have been, even when they were winning their Stanley Cups. I thought he was, you know, good enough, but not like he a was elite. Top I tier. had this conversation. I had this conversation with somebody yeah. in the, the the group chat we have for the yeah, blog. I remember you he bringing up his elite. stats. He has good stats and everything. I was just like, I just watching him. I never got that vibe of like a top tier elite goalie. But you, you are right. He does have like the stats to back it up. So, yeah, I I would not mind seeing him. I know a lot of people are saying this now. 
healthy Corey Crawford, he's not my first choice, but it wouldn't be a bad option at all to bring behind Mackenzie Blackwood next season because he is a UFA. Like mm. I said, not my number one option, but would be yeah. a solid choice. Yeah, he's got um, the concussion history, I think. So Yeah, he's and got then, some I health mean, issues. Are we going to see Patrick Kane finally score in this uh, in this next game? I mean, last game he had a wide-open net on a one-timer and just hit the post. I mean, he's got three assists. He's He's been generating offense. Like, there are goals Chicago scored that would not have ended up in the back of the net if it weren't for him setting up the offense. Uh, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think it all comes down to whether Kane can find the net next game or not. Yeah. So this series is – over in my books. I think it's over in your books too. We're gonna I move would love on to now. Go six. To yeah, it'd be nice for your little prediction, but be. I would love that. <laughs> I don't I don't honestly I don't remember what I pick like games wise. I just remember my actual picks. Mine are faring pretty I think yours is faring one game better than mine, but we're both doing well so far with yeah. what's going on. Um we'll move on now. Colorado, Arizona, also another very, very um, lopsided series. What, what series are you this talking one. about? The, uh, I thought it was Colorado, Colorado versus. Now. I thought it was Colorado versus Darcy Kemper. Oh yeah, I thought that's, <laughs> what, that's what it is. Um, Kemper finally gave gave in though that last game, game four, that seven one. Yeah, I mean no, they, they just didn't they they didn't show up. But the team as a whole, I, I can't blame that all on Kemper, especially after what he did through the first three games or four games, stealing them uh, a win as well. So Yeah, you no, you cannot give Kemper any blame. He's bound to have a dud there, here or there, when he's facing like 50 shots a night. Yeah. But like We're not I said, this he w- has been facing like 50 shots a night. That's not an yeah, exaggeration. It's, <laughs> it's been extremely ugly. Like, it's also between this series and the series we just talked about about the most lopsided series so far in this whole playoff yeah. format no game was even close any single one of them the one yotes game in the game four where i mean the the game the yotes won in this series is like the game four of the chicago vegas series it was very in favor of colorado but arizona snuck one out thank you darcy kemper uh-huh. you can thank darcy kemper for that Nathan McKinnon had an unreal goal in that 7-1, or he set up his move, set up a goal. Yeah, now he skated got through, the rebound. Yeah, he skated through the defense, used speed. Kadri put the rebound to home, but Nathan McKinnon's great. Kale McCarr also had a crazy goal going end-to-end, well. end, that UMass kid. He's nutty, rookie of the year. Give me a Colorado Avalanche Vegas Golden Knights, Western Conference Final, and that's the Stanley Cup in my books. <laughs> Honestly, that last game between Arizona and Colorado, i that's the first time I wasn't comfortable picking uh, Vegas as my cup favorite. I was like, oof, man, <laughs> it's hard, to, hard to, to kind of think about that. But to be fair, I think Chicago is a little bit of a tougher opposition than Arizona is right now, so... Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to mention is both of those teams are absolutely garbage and it's because the NHL stupid format that either one of these teams are in the playoffs right now. The Coyotes should not have beat the Predators and I'll go to my great yell on that and be all mad about that. That that was such a one-sided series and somehow Arizona yeah. snuck away. Thank you, Darcy Kemper. But anyway, one last thing I want to talk about here before we move on is I saw a wild tweet on Twitter. What else? I mean, you go to Twitter, you see a lot of wild stuff. That's just how Twitter (laughs) is. Someone said that Nathan McKinnon 
is better than Connor McDavid, and it's not even close. I don't know who's – I forget the guy who said that. I could see a little argument here, but you still got Connor yeah. McDavid here. I mean, come on. Nathan McKinnon's elite. He's a, a superstar in elite. Yeah. He's probably even better defensively than McDavid is, but you can't you can't say I, that. I'd McKinnon's say it's close. Um, I wouldn't say that – See, there are certain situations where I would pick McKinnon over McDavid. There are. I, I don't think it's the wildest take I've ever heard, but to say it's not close, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So we're going to move on now. Dallas Calgary and game, what was it? Game five of the series just ended? Yep. Yeah. Game five of the series just ended. Dallas defeated Calgary 2-1. to one. They're taking a 3-2 lead into game six. They were down in this series. 2-0, right? Um, I think it was going back and forth, to be honest. I could be wrong. Um, let's double check here. You are 100% right. No, you're 100% right. Um, Calgary took game one, Stars kicked game two, Calgary took game three, and so on and so forth. And now the Stars won two in a row. That game four, however, the Calgary Flames blew a lead. I believe the goal was scored by the Stars to force overtime with like – 11 seconds left, something yeah. like that. Yep. So Calgary Blue lead there. They would have been up in the series 3-1, right? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they just they can't hold a lead. That's been my biggest complaint. <laughs> you know, I'm like, it, the Flames just can't hold a lead. Um, and, and even Dallas, I think uh, the Flames came back, and I believe it was game four. Uh, Dallas was up like 4-2 or something. And the Flames scored two goals in, like, the final three minutes to tie it up. Um, and then Dallas scored with, like, 30 seconds left and won the game. And it didn't go to overtime. I'm like, the Flames, just, they can't not, you know. It's, it's driven me crazy watching their games because they'll jump out to leads, but they just can't keep them. And credit to Dallas. Dallas fans are going to love this segment because I'm going to have to eat, eat my words pretty hard here. I didn't think they were that great. I thought they were probably – the weakest team, one of the weakest, uh, weakest teams coming into this, but they're they're proving me wrong. And I gotta admit that. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think a lot of people thought Dallas was in major trouble, and honestly, the series has been totally different than the team we saw in the round robin play. Dallas has make no mistake about it. Dallas has been the better team in this series. They deserve to be up. They've controlled the opportunities. Had, had open in net too. Yeah, Bishop's been unfit to play, but Anton Kadobin's another dude that. He, he's a, one of the better backups in the league. He's like another lot, guy yeah. that's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Would we'll love to see him play behind Mackenzie Blackwood. He's been terrific since Ben Bishop became unfit to play. First two games in this series were very close. Could have went either, uh, either way. And in games three and game four were all Dallas. And game four, they were rewarded with that late comeback, which was good to see for Dallas fans. I have because I – type these notes up before the game today and it says don't be surprised if Dallas comes back in the series or whatever just by looking at the stats and they are I mean like I said I picked Calgary and I was fully on the bus of yeah Dallas is done so round robin play has been very ugly for them yeah but Dallas proved me wrong I mean pick as well yeah it happens so good for Dallas they're 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 an exciting team i like they have loads of talent we both said it in the past we have no idea why they were struggling there they have loads of talent it's finally showing hey i can't imagine being a fan you know how frustrating that would be i mean at least at least the devils we can be frustrated because they're 
you know, they're not as stacked as some other teams, but Dallas, you know, they're a team where you look at their roster and you think they should be, you know, able to contend each year right now. And it's just good to see them finally getting some wins here and proving us wrong. So, yep. Yeah, good for Dallas. So we'll move on now. I believe this is the last series. The St. Louis and Vancouver series. Vancouver jumped out to a 2-0 lead. St. Louis has battled back and tied it at 2-2. Big development in this series is Jordan Binghamton was basically benched here. Jake Allens came in, started the last two games, right? Yes. Yeah, they've been going He has a total of three starts in this playoffs and he has a 962 save percentage <laughs> like holy crap he was really good during a regular season too yeah his save percentage was one of the betters in the league he's turned in a fantastic season overshadowed by jordan binghamton and we both had discussions i was very worried about bennington and the blues as a whole and I'm sure you guys remember I picked Vancouver in the series and I am totally okay with ending up being wrong here. I looked good early on, but yeah. St. Louis has fought back hard, which I'm very happy to see because of the devil's pick scenario. Yep. Uh, just a little deeper dive into this series at five on five. St. Louis has a hundred percent hands down been the better team games, one games, two, three, four, etc. cetera. 59.47 Corsi four percentage, 58.17 expected goals percentage. It came down to Jordan Binghamton just being absolutely brutal, his 862 save percentage, and they finally made the move to Jake Allen, which needed to happen, and Allen's been great, won them two straight. Like the Flyers series, this has been all about special teams. Game ones and game two, where Vancouver won each of these games. Game one, their power play was three for six. Game two is two for three. So you do a little math there. That's what, five for nine total? That's over a 50% clip. If you're scoring on over 50% of your power plays, then you're opposing, the opposing netminder has a save percentage below 900 or below 870 for this matter. Yeah, you're going to win the first two games, and that's exactly what happened. St. Louis turned around, made a switch, looked great in the past two games. Hopefully this continues as the Devils will get a better pick from Vancouver. Chris, you want to add any more? Yeah, I mean uh – it's not just the switch to Jake Allen. Um, that is why we're seeing the Blues play a little bit better. Better special um, it teams. Was, it was, yeah, the special teams as well. But it was just a wake-up call, you know. Um, they're, they're, they were getting outplayed, and Bennington, you could tell there were saves that he was making last year that he was not making this year. Um, also, to be fair, you know, the Blues were not as solid defensively uh, in these in the first two games as they were compared to when Allen was put in that uh, Bennington was put in a lot more situations of odd man rushes and stuff like that. Um, so I think it caused St. Louis to definitely tighten up their defensive game, realize what's at stake time to, you know, get on your horse and play. Um, probably the player that's made this series so fun for me to watch is Quinn Hughes. Like it is just, it's like he's taken it to another level from how he played in the regular season. Like there, there's not a play or for Vancouver that's like big. It's a goal or anything that he's not involved in. I'm watching him make these crazy passes, these crazy plays. I mean, I'm I'm watching it. I want St. Louis to win, but at the same time, I'm just in awe of some of the stuff that Quinn Hughes is doing. It's phenomenal. Yeah, he's a special kid for sure. He's been great, even in the the first round versus. I feel like that was forever ago, but when they beat up on the Wild, yeah, beat up, I guess in quotation. But yeah, Quinn Hughes has been great. Uh, 
Bo Horvat like leads the league in scoring in this playoffs. He has like yep. six points. He's been terrific. It just really comes down to goaltending as always, huh? But anyway, so yeah, that's all we got. This episode was just kind of like a check-in to see how all the series are going, how our predictions are going. Um, so who do you think is going to ultimately win the series? you think St. Louis is going to get it done, or you think Vancouver's going to pull the I'm hoping St. Louis can get it done. Um, I think... So am I. Yeah. I, 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 I think they're going to get it done, too. I think as long as they don't underestimate Vancouver, which it's hard to see how they possibly could now after being down two games... Uh, there, there's no reason for St. Louis to lose this series. They should take care of business. Um, but that being said, you know, like I said, Quinn Hughes has been essential to basically every Canucks victory these playoffs. So if they can't control him or contain him, I mean, it, the Canucks always have a shot. And they got Markstrom in that too, which helps. Yeah, so that's that there. Um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think St. Louis is going to get her done. And like I said, that'll be better for the Devils pick. I believe it'll lock it in. I wrote an article this on this. I forget already. I believe it'll lock this pick in around 20. The Yokes um, would be around have, like, what, 18 if they 18. lost? So thanks for reminding me. I want to I wanna mention that. The Yotes are all but Dunzo. And it looks like Montreal and Blackhawks are also going to be donezo. So that'll almost certainly slot the Devils' second first-round pick in at 18. And the Canucks should be at 20 if they lose as well. So that'll go 7, 18, and 20. So that's just a little update for you there. Um, Yeah, but besides that, got nothing else going on. We're... Planning on this is episode 13. Episode 14 is going to be released after all these series come to a close. We'll give our like final wrap up how our picks did. Then we'll go into previewing and giving our predictions for the what were those called? The conference semifinals now? Yes. Um, the round of eight, if you want to go along with the round of 16 deal, but that's what the next episode will look like. I got nothing else. Chris, you have anything else for our loyal listeners? I do. Let's go devils. Let's go devils, baby. Um, stay safe, everyone. We will talk to you guys shortly. 